Hi friends and welcome back to Awaken and Empower. I hope you're doing well. Can you believe it's almost March already? It seriously feels like time is going by so fast. To be honest, my overall sense of time has been whacked out for a while thanks to 2020. So, you know, something I did last week could feel like something I did three months ago and vice versa. It's all messed up. What day is it? I don't know, but it's okay. We're here. We keep on living and like so many other things, time is just an arbitrary construct that humans created to make sense of the world. So anyways, wherever you are in your timeline of life, I hope you're doing well. And if you're not, that's okay too. We can't be feeling good all the time and there's nothing wrong with having a bad day. Lord knows I've had my fair share of bad days. So yeah, whatever day you're having, thank you for tuning into this show and I hope this episode adds to your life in some way. So I'm really pumped for today's episode. While I was writing it, I just got so many hits of inspiration and ideas and it all just flowed really organically. And I think that's because this is a topic I'm really passionate about and I have a strong urge to share it with the world because it's made such a difference in my life and I just want everyone to feel that too. So yeah, I'm amped up and excited because today we'll be talking about what I call the pillars of your sense of self. Now, I mentioned these in the last episode when we talked about how your inner work can transform your outer life, and I figured it would be helpful for you if we went more in-depth into each one because this is a topic I seriously love talking about and thinking about, and way back in 2019, I actually created a sort of framework for these pillars of your sense of self that I wrote about in a blog post and incorporated into a free resource, so... Yeah, I just really think this is something that every human being can benefit from incorporating into their life. It's for sure had a big impact on my life, and I hope it's helpful for you today. Now, before we dive in, like I said, I wrote about this in a blog post and created a free resource centered on this topic, and I created these in November 2019 in celebration of my 50th blog post. Writing and publishing 50 blog posts felt like a big achievement for me and it was definitely cause for celebration. So to honor that, I wanted to create something special. So I wrote a blog post called A Guide to Help You Reach True Self-Love. So if you want to check that out, I'll put it in the show notes. And what I think would be even more helpful to you is the freebie I created to go along with the blog post, which is a self-love journal. If you haven't already downloaded that from my website, I definitely recommend it. It's one of my favorite freebies that I've created and it has lots of info on the pillars of your sense of self that we'll be talking about today and gives you lots of space to dive into each one. It's full of journaling prompts, affirmations, and reflection questions to help you cultivate and nurture a true sense of self-love. So I'll put the link to download that in the show notes as well. And even though I created these a long time ago, I think the message behind them still stands and they're still super helpful, especially the self-love journal. For all of my free resources, I really try to make sure to pack a lot of value into them and include questions and prompts that are powerful and nuanced and designed to spark the flame of your inner wisdom. So if you decide to check out the blog post or download the self-love journal, I really hope it helps you out wherever you are on your self-love journey. 
Okay, so now let's get into what the heck the pillars of your sense of self actually are, why they're important, and how you can nurture them in your own life. So even though the blog post and freebie I mentioned kind of frame self-love as the center point, self-love is also one of the pillars of your sense of self. I'm mentioning these resources in this episode because the exercises in the self-love journal are a really great way to dive into the rest of the pillars. But yeah, overall, all of these concepts we'll be talking about today contribute to your sense of self. Also, I just wanted to point out that this is a concept I created from my own experience and from what I experienced in my external world, but I'm by no means an expert on any of this. I'm just really interested and passionate about it, and I really believe this could be helpful for everyone. But yeah, the most important thing is to use this in whatever way feels best for you. You do not have to follow this exactly how I'm going to share it. I've mentioned before, but the number one piece of advice I'll give for just about anything is just to do what feels best for you, and same goes for this concept as well. Okay, so after much contemplation and introspection and research, I created a sort of hierarchy or order for these pillars of your sense of self. All of these aspects of your sense of self are connected and thrive as a whole, But this is the order that makes the most sense to me. And again, you don't have to follow it this exact same way. Feel free to switch them around as you so choose or don't even bother with ordering them. Whatever feels good for you. So at the very first level is self-reflection. This is the process of growing your understanding of who you are, what your values are, and why you think and act the way you do. Self-reflection is a form of personal analysis that allows you to bring your life into alignment with what you wish it to be. It's sitting with yourself and listening to your thoughts and feeling your emotions so you can gain a better understanding of what you're going through and struggling with and ultimately who you are. I put self-reflection first because it's really the foundation upon which everything else can thrive. You need self-reflection to even begin to strengthen the rest of the pillars of your sense of self. Your self-reflection process can look like anything from just sitting and being with yourself, or you could journal and write out your thoughts and emotions. You may even like meditating or going for a long walk or even just verbalizing what's going on inside of you. Talking to yourself can be really helpful sometimes. Just maybe do it while you're alone if you don't want to worry about bothering other people. Whatever you do to self-reflect, the point is to create a space and devote your energy to exploring whatever is going on inside that beautiful mind and soul of yours. And so, once you've got self-reflection down, this will lead you to the next pillar, which is self-discovery. Self-discovery is the process of discovering insight into your character. It's all about learning more about yourself and who you are as a person. Self-discovery is a really beautiful thing when you commit to it. The process of getting to know yourself is so liberating and empowering and life-changing. Knowing more about who you are as a person is crucial to living the life you want to live. Utilize those self-reflection muscles and think about what your values are your beliefs, your needs, your boundaries, your likes and dislikes. Get clear on what lights you up and brings you joy and makes you feel whole. What do you long for? What are your big goals? If you were to describe yourself to someone else, what would you say? 
Self-discovery is a pillar of your sense of self that is rich with opportunity to really connect with yourself and get clear on what makes you, you. There are a multitude of ways you can learn more about yourself. I think life itself is a journey where we pick up pieces of ourselves all along the way. We are constantly discovering ourselves as we grow and evolve and challenge ourselves and have new experiences and meet new people. The best thing you can do to enhance your self-discovery is just to remain open. Open yourself up to anything and everything that could help you get to know yourself on a deeper level. For me, one of the biggest periods of self-discovery was when I took my solo trip. I really found parts of myself out in the mountains of Banff, Alberta. I had never thought of myself as an outdoorsy person before, but on that trip I discovered my deep love for nature and the mountains and long hikes. And now one of my long-term life goals is to live somewhere like Banff, where I can be near nature all the time. I never would have discovered that about myself if I hadn't opened myself up to the possibility of taking a trip there on my own. Self-discovery can happen when you least expect it, so stay open and just see what happens. Once you have discovered more about yourself, it'll be much easier to approach the next pillar of your sense of self, which is self-care. Now, self-care has been a hot term for a while now. We all know it, we love it, but I believe there is more to it than how it's often portrayed. To me, self-care is the act of listening to your mind, body, and soul so you can give yourself what you need in any given moment. When you engage with your self-care, you play an active role in protecting your well-being and improving your quality of life. In its simplest sense, it just means taking care of yourself. Self-care has been commodified and commercialized and basically packaged up all nicely to fit into the consumerism agenda, but it is a much more intuitive and nuanced aspect of your sense of self. It requires that you know how to listen to your mind, body, and soul, and that you have a strong connection with yourself, because without that, you can't really take care of yourself in the way that you might need to. You probably know how to take care of yourself when you're sick and have a cold, but do you know how to take care of yourself when you're stressed or overwhelmed or feeling extra emotional? If you've ever experienced anxiety or depression, do you know what coping mechanisms help you the best? Self-care can definitely be what companies package it up to be, but self-care really starts with the strong foundation of self-reflection and self-discovery. It's also highly personalized and unique to each individual. My daily self-care is taking a morning walk. My self-care when I'm anxious is to literally just let myself feel the way I'm feeling instead of beating myself up for feeling the way I'm feeling. When I'm winding down to go to sleep, I like to meditate for 15 or 20 minutes, and I consider that self-care. And my end-of-the-week self-care is eating junk food and watching a whole lot of Netflix. These are just a few examples of the practices and things that I do that feel good to me and help me take care of myself mentally, emotionally, and physically. It could be totally different for you. As long as you listen to your mind, body, and soul and give yourself what you need, you're engaging with your self-care. If you want to take a bubble bath, take that bubble bath. If you need to just go out into the woods and scream for a little bit, you do you. Spend time with your pets, read a good book, learn something new, lie on your bed and stare at the ceiling. There is no end to the list of things you could do to take care of yourself. As long as it feels good and right for you, that's all that matters. 
Now, the next pillar of your sense of self is one of my personal favorites, self-awareness. Self-awareness is the conscious knowledge of your character, feelings, motives, and desires. It gives you the capacity for introspection and the ability to recognize yourself as a unique individual. Self-awareness is my jam. (laughs) I love it. I just love feeling self-aware. I love witnessing other people who have a keen sense of self-awareness. It's just such a magical thing. You know, as humans, we have this opportunity to get to know ourselves on a deep level and build our lives around who we are. It's an immense gift to have the ability to be self-aware, and it's a huge help in many life situations. When you're self-aware, you'll be better able to handle yourself in any experience that comes your way. You'll know what triggers you, what lights you up, what you're willing to give your energy to. You'll know how to stand up for yourself and act assertively and protect your boundaries. You'll have the capacity to recognize and work through any difficult thoughts or emotions. You'll have easier access to the best course of action for you in any given situation. Your relationships could even thrive because you're more self-aware. You'll be better able to express yourself truthfully, and you'll live in deep connection to your true being. Your self-awareness will also awaken your inner wisdom, your intuition, your deep inner knowing. Self-awareness is the key to showing up and living as your true self. It can grow from, of course, tending to your self-reflection, self-discovery, and self-care, and also through practices like therapy or meditation or simply growing up. Coaching is also an amazing way to build your self-awareness. When I was working with my coach, I became so much more aware of the intricacies of my being and that knowledge helped me immensely in my life. As a coach myself, I see it as an immense privilege that I get to witness someone else's blossoming self-awareness because I know firsthand all the beauty that can come from that. If you want to be more self-aware, don't pass yourself by. Don't ignore your desires or suppress your needs or neglect your emotions. Be present to yourself and with yourself and get curious. Notice the workings of your mind and body and soul and take note. Simply observing yourself is a great place to start when it comes to becoming more self-aware. Notice how you feel and react and think and move and dream. Be your own observer. I believe everyone can benefit from becoming more self-aware. It's really one of the biggest privileges we have in this life. Okay, so the next pillar is self-appreciation. This is the process of appreciating yourself for all that you are. Tapping into your self-appreciation will help you become more thankful and grateful towards all parts of yourself. If you've put generous attention towards all the pillars we've already talked about, self-appreciation will follow suit. It may feel difficult at first to really tap into your self-appreciation. It might even feel uncomfortable or near impossible sometimes, especially if you often deal with self-critical thoughts or perfectionism or maybe even some imposter syndrome. I'm going to tell you right now, you are a unique, beautiful person who has so many gifts to share with this world. You are worthy and deserving and enough just as you are. You don't need to do anything to appreciate yourself. Simply being who you are is enough. I know this is easier said than done sometimes, but it's so true. 
You can appreciate yourself just for being you, for breathing, for taking up space on this earth. We are often told to be grateful for what we have and what we've accomplished, things in our external life basically, and that's a beautiful thing. But what's even more radical is to be grateful towards yourself. Show gratitude to yourself because you are worthy of it. You're so worthy of it, it's ridiculous. If you have any sort of gratitude practice or you just want to connect with your gratitude more, thank yourself simply for being you. Acknowledge the things you appreciate about yourself. Really sink into how thankful you are just to have the opportunity to get a chance at this thing called life. It may take practice, it might not come easy some days, but work that self-appreciation muscle as often as you can, and soon it'll just come naturally. Appreciating yourself will allow you to give yourself grace, acknowledge the beauty of your essence, and raise your energetic vibration. So show yourself some gratitude whenever you get a chance, and appreciate yourself just for being you. If you're able to fully and truly appreciate yourself, then this next part will probably come a little easier. The next pillar is self-compassion, which means extending warmth, care, and kindness towards yourself in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. Self-compassion is the ability to treat yourself with empathy, love, and concern during times of difficulty. This aspect of yourself is crucial, especially if you often find that you put a lot of pressure on yourself, or you're a perfectionist, or you experience a lot of self-critical thoughts. It can sometimes be so easy to be really hard on ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm for sure my worst critic. I used to be really hard on myself and easily fall down the shame spiral for the smallest of failures or mistakes. I'm definitely a lot better now at practicing self-compassion, but you know, it's hard sometimes and it's really easy to just feel bad about yourself. What I've found most helpful when it comes to activating my self-compassion is to just recognize when particularly critical or mean thoughts about myself come up and I try to not be activated by them or get caught up in them. I recognize them simply for what they are, they're just thoughts, they're not me or representative of me. Once I do that, it's easier to reframe these thoughts and make them a little kinder. If you often deal with intrusive or critical or mean thoughts about yourself, try to become an observer of them instead of becoming activated by them and allowing them to define who you are. This actually reminds me of how Brene Brown differentiates guilt and shame. If you haven't heard of Brene Brown, look her up. She is one of my favorite writers and one of the many women who inspire me. She's a researcher and writer and professor and podcaster, and most of her work centers on the concept of shame. She believes guilt and shame are two very different things. To put it simply, guilt means I did something bad, and shame means I am bad. So let's say you failed a test or something. If you feel guilty, then you would react by thinking something like, I messed up on this test, I didn't study enough, I need to do better next time. If you're feeling shame about the test, your thoughts would be more like, I'm so stupid, I'm never going to understand this stuff, I'm a failure. Shame is deeply tied to how you view yourself, and it can be so dangerous to your overall sense of self. When things like shame come up, self-compassion can be one of the things that saves you. Instead of jumping to the conclusion that you're a failure, or you're not worthy, or you're always going to mess up no matter how hard you try, 
Show yourself some kindness. Give yourself some grace. Treat yourself with empathy and love and care. One of my personal favorite methods is to recognize my shame-based critical thoughts and ask myself if I would talk to my best friends like that, or my sister, or my boyfriend, or anyone else I love and care about. If I wouldn't say something like that to them, why would I say it to myself? Treat yourself like your own best friend. Change the way you speak to yourself and try a little self-compassion. This doesn't mean you won't mess up or make mistakes or even fail a little. You're only human. No one is perfect. Practicing self-compassion will help you realize that just because you stumbled a little doesn't mean you're a bad person. Showing yourself some compassion is honestly one of the most powerful and helpful things you can do when you're going through a rough time. Life can be hard as it is. Why would we want to make it harder by treating ourselves like crap? <laughs> Try to be compassionate, be your own best friend, and just love on yourself, no matter what happens in your life. Now, in the blog post and self-love journal I mentioned, I don't have self-love listed as one of the pillars, just because both of these resources kind of frame self-love as the ultimate end goal, but I do believe self-love deserves its own sense of self-pillar, so I'm gonna put it right here. <laughs> So the next pillar is self-love. In the simplest sense, self-love can be defined as the act of loving yourself for who you truly are. It's about loving yourself for all your strengths and weaknesses, your flaws and imperfections, your quirks and your beauty, everything you are and everything you're not. Self-love comes from within. It isn't dependent on anything you do in your external life. You can love yourself no matter what you have or what you do or who you spend your time with or where you live or anything like that. Like every other pillar of your sense of self, self-love starts from within and it takes a strong commitment to maintain this sense of love towards yourself. Nurturing all of the other pillars we've talked about so far can be a big help in strengthening your self-love. Like I said, all of these pillars are intimately connected and they all depend on each other to build up your full sense of self. So, do you love yourself fully and truly? What do you love about yourself? Depending on your relationship with self-love, it may be really uncomfortable to answer questions like this. If you want to challenge yourself, sit down with a pen and your journal or a piece of paper and write down as many things that you love about yourself as you can think of. And when you can't think of any more, pause, take a breath, and think again. Really dig deep and get specific. What do you love about yourself? Another question you can reflect on is, how do you show love to yourself? We're always showing our love to other people, you know, our families and partners and friends and anyone else we care about, but do you intentionally show love to yourself? What are your favorite ways to just love on yourself? This makes me think of the five love languages. If you haven't heard of this, it's a concept created by Gary Chapman. He wrote a book on it, and the five love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. These five love languages are what Chapman believes to be the main ways we give and receive love. There's a whole test you can take to find out which of the five you most resonate with, it's really helpful in relationships to know how you and your partner best express love and desire to receive love, but I think it can also be flipped around and directed towards you and your self-love. So which of the five is your favorite way to show love to yourself? Do you like to use affirmations and mantras and compliments to boost your self-love? 
Maybe you like to give yourself some acts of service, like cooking yourself a nice meal. Do you like to treat yourself to gifts? How about some quality alone time? That's my personal favorite. (laughs) And lastly, maybe you like to treat yourself physically with things like exercise or a nice bath or any other kind of personal physical pleasure. But yeah, I think just as much as these love languages can be helpful in your relationships with others, it can also be helpful in your relationship with yourself. So give it a try, read up on these love languages if that's helpful for you, and yeah, just show yourself some love. You deserve it. You're always worthy of it. We all need to just love ourselves a little more because when you do, you'll have more capacity to love others. Okay, the next pillar of your sense of self is one of my personal favorites. If you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's my all-time, top-notch, ultimate passion point, and that is self-empowerment. Self-empowerment is the act of taking control of your own life and making choices that align with your authentic self. Self-empowerment involves knowing your beliefs, needs, and goals in life and turning your intentions into actions. When you're self-empowered, you're confident in your strengths and weaknesses, you know what you believe in, and you make positive decisions based on what you want from life. I did a whole episode on self-empowerment, so if you missed it and you want to learn more about it, head back to episode 5. It's called The Impact and Magic of Self-Empowerment. Connecting with and nurturing and growing my self-empowerment has been one of the most powerful and transformative experiences. And it's now what I help others do through my coaching and everything I create, including this podcast. I just really believe in the value of it and everything it can bring to your life. And when you tend to this pillar of your sense of self, the possibilities are endless. So yeah, if you haven't listened to it yet, check out episode 5 and learn all about self-empowerment and how you can bring it into your life. Alright, so after self-empowerment, the next pillar is self-worth which is the sense of your own inherent value or worth as a person. Self-worth is closely tied to the actions you take to boost your confidence, which is your self-esteem, and the way you treat yourself, which is self-respect. Now, this is something I've been working through in my own life, especially since I launched my coaching practice last summer. I won't talk about that too much here because I am planning to do a whole episode on it. So for now, I'll just say that for me personally, Coming face-to-face with my self-worth has been uncomfortable and eye-opening and one of the most liberating and empowering aspects of my inner work I've ever experienced. I really feel like the idea of our own self-worth stems from when we were really young. Our experiences as children stick with us and have a big impact on our adult life, even if we can't realize it. And self-worth is just one of those things that gets lodged into our subconscious. Maybe when you were younger, people often complimented you on your looks and always called you beautiful, so you internalized that to mean that your looks indicated your worth. And this might lead to body image issues or perfectionism when it comes to your appearance as an adult because deep down you believe that if you don't look beautiful or adhere to beauty standards, you aren't worthy. And maybe when you were young, your parents were really hard workers, sacrificing their own well-being in order to provide for you. And you internalize that, and as an adult, you believe that if you're not working hard, you're lazy and wasting time and you're not worthy. This can manifest as a mentality that you can never rest and relax, and you're only worthy according to how productive you are. 
These are just a couple examples of how self-worth can sneakily infuse itself into our actions and behaviors and beliefs. A low sense of self-worth can quite seriously have a negative impact on your life, and you may not even realize it because it's so ingrained in you. But it's important to realize your relationship with your self-worth and your beliefs about what makes you worthy. Because when it all comes down to it, you are, and you've always been, inherently worthy. You don't need to do anything to be worthy. Just being you makes you worthy. Everything else is just bonus. But I know firsthand how difficult it can be to really believe this, especially after subconsciously carrying around some pretty limiting ideas of your self-worth. So, you know, it takes time to disentangle yourself from those beliefs. It's okay to be patient with yourself. If you need to, go back a couple pillars and show yourself some compassion. And trust that you'll be able to liberate yourself and truly believe that you are worthy exactly as you are. And then, if you strengthen your self-worth or even just commit to strengthening your self-worth, you'll be more able to achieve the next pillar, which is self-acceptance, the act of accepting yourself. This involves understanding and recognizing your own abilities and limitations, having a realistic approval of your talents, capabilities, and general worth, and experiencing feelings of satisfaction with yourself, despite the parts of you that you aren't so confident in. Self-acceptance is about embracing all aspects of yourself in an unconditional way. When you accept yourself for everything you are and everything you're not, when you accept all the intricacies that make you who you are, that's pretty damn special. To me, self-acceptance feels like a softening, a knowing, a deep understanding that I am allowed to be the way I am. No one can take me away from me. I can accept myself because I am worthy of acceptance. It's a beautiful thing. Accepting yourself will allow you to just be you without apology or explanation or justification. You can just be you and be proud of that and live from your true essence. Self-acceptance is just such a crucial pillar of your sense of self. If you can't accept yourself, if you're always living in resistance to yourself, chances are the rest of the pillars will feel that impact and start to crumble. So try it on for size. Accept who you are no matter what you do in life. You're worthy of acceptance. This brings us to the last pillar of your sense of self, and this one is really the top dog. It's what we're all striving for in this thing called life, and that is self-actualization. Self-actualization is the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities. When you reach self-actualization, you have a fuller knowledge and acceptance of your intrinsic nature. This involves realizing your needs, capabilities, and potential in life. Self-actualization is about knowing what you want in life and making a plan of action to get you there. Now, you may know this term as part of Abraham Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, which is a theory of motivation that states that there are five categories of human needs that dictate an individual's behavior. This hierarchy of needs is structured like a pyramid, and at the bottom of the pyramid are our basic physiological needs, like food and water and shelter. And then above that is our safety needs, so things like health, employment, and personal security. The next step up in the hierarchy is love and belonging, so friendship, family, intimacy, connection. And above that is esteem, so things like respect, self-esteem, status. And then above that at the top is self-actualization, which is basically realizing your full potential and desiring to be the most that you can be. 
Self-actualization is really the culmination of all the other pillars of your sense of self that we've explored so far. It's the full realization of your essence as a human. I believe that self-actualization is a lifelong journey. As we grow and evolve, we are constantly getting to know ourselves on a deeper level, and there's just somehow always more to learn and uncover about who you are, especially as you go through different phases of life and have new experiences and challenge yourself. Self-actualization brings it all together and allows you to step into the truest expression and deepest wisdom of your being again and again. I'm on this journey, you're on this journey, and if we continue to pay attention to and care for and explore all the other pillars of our sense of self, the potential to reach true self-actualization is so possible. And that brings us to the end of our journey through the pillars of your sense of self. What a ride, am I right? (laughs) Now, there is one other sense of self term that I use often but didn't mention within the pillars, and that is self-development, which is basically the process in which your character and abilities are gradually developed. I think all the pillars we've talked about are part of self-development as a whole. They all play a part in your self-development, so yeah, I think self-development is kind of the overarching and all-encompassing theme and energy behind the rest of the pillars. I just thought I'd point that out because self-development is also really important and I often refer to it and it's a big part of the work that I do and how I serve others. So yeah, we just can't forget that one. (laughs) So there you have it. Those are the pillars of your sense of self. We started with self-reflection and then moved through some self-discovery, self-care, and self-awareness, which then brought us to self-appreciation, self-compassion, and self-love. And then we finish it off with self-empowerment, self-worth, self-acceptance, and self-actualization. I really hope this was helpful for you and gave you a better understanding of all of these areas of your sense of self. I feel like I gave a lot of information and advice in this episode, but remember to always do what feels best for you. That's the ultimate thing you can do to nurture all of these pillars. And yeah, if you want to take this journey a step further, be sure to download the self-love journal I mentioned at the beginning. I'll put it in the show notes for you. And I'll also add the blog post I mentioned as well. If you're ever desiring more personalized support, you're always welcome to contact me and we can chat. And if you're feeling called to, we can also set up a free coaching conversation for you. This session is two hours and it's a chance for us to get your questions answered and us to get to know each other. And you'll also receive a complimentary coaching session within that two hours as well. So it's a great way to create some immediate transformation in your life. And like I've mentioned before, signing up for a coaching conversation does not obligate you to sign on for long-term coaching. If you just want to do this one session, please do. I'm not going to force you to sign on for a coaching program. This session isn't a sales pitch. It's a chance to connect and chat and create change in your life. So yeah, I'll put the link to contact me and the link to my coaching services page in the show notes as well if you're interested in that. And yeah, again, I hope this episode was helpful. I had fun creating it. I hope you had fun listening to it. And until next week, I'm sending you lots of love and warmth and gratitude. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you in the next episode.